This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by CISO. This new ad-free streaming service brings users a nearly endless supply of top-shelf comedy. Head over to CISO.com right now to receive your first month for free by entering promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. That's S-E-E-S-O.com for one month of hilarious comedy for free with promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Even that ad is funny. (laughs) I know. CISO is awesome. Today's show is also sponsored by Lyft. The free Lyft app gets users a ride in minutes on demand 24-7 for less than the cost of a cab. Right now, our listeners get three free rides up to $10 each. That's up to a $30 value, guys, when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. That's three free rides when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Mm. And finally, our show today is sponsored by Movement. It's time to step up your watch game with classic designs and quality construction starting at just $95. Right now, our listeners get 15% off their entire order with free shipping and free returns by going to Movement Watch watches.com slash bc pod that's mvmt watches.com slash bc pod for 15 percent off your order you are now entering the bad christian podcast are we are we live we're live (laughs) (laughs) i'm bad christian yes i'm the real bad christian all you other bad christians are just imitating That was me doing Eminem lyrics, but the bad Christian. But you this were is the bad imitating. Christian podcast. This is the bad Christian podcast. Sorry, I totally blew it. Joey, I ruined your beatbox. I ruined everything. I'm really I'm sorry. So cra- to start- hey, I don't want to th- start the podcast off like this. I'm sorry I didn't pick up on the Slim Shady. I'm sorry. I, I got it after you explained it. So I would say fail. Epic fail on your part, but nobody. Go, Shawty. It's your birthday. It's not, it's not worth we it's gonna not party like it's your that uh, are, there certainly have been a, a number of uh, imitators of this podcast out there. Gosh, that's that's not nuts. worth that's That's not beyond <laughs> mentioning, I don't think. Yeah, like Pete Holmes, yeah, Mark Pete. Marin, yep. Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the pastors that have copied us. Oh yeah, none. <laughs> no, not no, no Christians. No, well, uh, Joey. Joey, how's the the church world treating you? I haven't. Uh, we hadn't really talked about it in a while. Like I, I was just thinking about it yesterday. I haven't worked at Seacoast in how how many since last June, June. So July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Nine months. That's, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, that it, is crazy. It, it's been really hard. I'm assuming like it's barely making it. Like, well, I know, I know that. I you, always said that it would the church would fall apart without me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's definitely not true. But asking me how I'm doing, uh, I have something that I know that you don't have because you're not working for a church. I have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have uh, I have something called compassion fatigue. <laughs> oh my! God. <laughs> All right, do tell. I, well, I just, I just heard, I just heard this terminology used, and here's the thing: is the person that used it actually 
meant I thought, it. I, well, I thought it was well done because he was talking about people in any sort of profession where, or or just in a family situation where you're constantly with a cancer victim or something like that. But all I could think of is there's going to be so many pastors that start saying, hey, man, I was burned out. I mean, what would you do if you had compassion fatigue? fatigue. Yeah, burnout burn was the associated <laughs> term I was thinking it would, be, would be very close there. It's, compassion fatigue. Uh, tell us what compassion it, fatigue is. I mean, a, as opposed to burnout, can you differentiate between the two? Well, I think that compassion fatigue does would cause burnout, and burnout burnout is not necessarily going to be caused by compassion fatigue. But compassion fatigue is basically just being physically exhausted because you have spent so much energy caring for other people. So okay. it's actually a very admirable ailment. I mean, if 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 things now, are going, are you, do you are you, are you really experiencing this? Like, no. do you think when he said that, did you go, mm, mm, no, amen. no, did you, no? But <laughs> I'll say this though, I there is definitely something. To, uh, so I'm making a joke about how I think a lot of pastors would use something like this and run with it because we've seen so many pastors do something super stupid and they say, hey. I was just going at it 24-7. I wasn't taking breaks. I was just depleted. Of course I'm going to cheat on my wife. You know, I mean, just (laughs) stupid stuff like that. So I just... What do you expect? Do you know how much counseling I did for other people? Isn't it funny, too? That's the go-to. That's the go-to as well. I got to just fucking cheat. I'm exhausted. I'm I'm completely spent and exhausted. I have to put my penis in another person. Why is that the exhaustion go-to? Well, the, the, not, yeah, the thing is going Not on, relaxation. Though. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Joey. Well, it, no, I, I, I... Go ahead, sorry. I, I was just going to say, there, there really is something to... And I don't even know if I would call this compassion fatigue. And I de- here's, here's what I have a problem with. It's definitely not something that is exclusive yeah. to pastors. I mean, good Lord. They were like, we, we experienced uh, a long, drawn out death. We've talked yeah. about it a lot, but there was a, yeah. uh, a, a kid that died on a motorcycle accident. There are a lot of people that were up and close, up close and personal with his parents and at the hospital, uh, like just every day, hoping and praying and seeing his parents cry, crying themselves. That does weigh heavy on you. So I've also, I mean, Toby, one of our best friends, uh, Ryan Amick, I mean, his dad just all of a sudden almost died right there on the spot. And then his recovery was kind of a, a slowly but surely sort of thing. And he was just emotionally depleted. So I just think it's a human condition. Um, I don't know if we should go so far as to give it a specific compassion fatigue for but, people. No, but that that's not in, the same thing. that that's not yeah. the same thing what he's saying and and if you go through an acute thing situationally what what that means in the pastor world and form is I've been pouring out so much to so yeah. many different situations because yeah. it's my job and it's my responsibility and I'm the one that does this and I'm the one that's needed as pastor to be compassionate right. to others. This all falls on me and I have to do it all the time. That's what compassion right. fatigue means. That's yeah. that's what that that's what that's referring to. And that's obviously a problem with the setup of that career. It's just obvious. Yeah. That's a, yeah, if that exists, yeah. I'm not denying it. But if so, it's a hazard of the job that needs to be remedied. I mean, and but, I'll even say this: like, imagine you're at the hospital and you're having to deal with this. Somebody's you know has cancer. Somebody's passing away, and then you have to walk back all the way back um, to your free car 
and where you got free parking because you're a pastor at the church, and then you ride back to your house that's a parsonage and paid for by the church. Parsonage. How do, how, and, and, and then you get a stipend for your living expenses and stuff. How can you not get compassion fatigue? Uh, hey. I, you know what I'm saying? Every Everything like, I mean, you... Everything you just said, I 100% agree. What? Like it, it, it drives me crazy when pastors complain and, and say, hey, I'm burned out. I'm like, what about the person that literally dug ditches for 10 hours today or the single mother that's working three jobs and going to school just to put you know food on the table and give her kids a, a brighter future? So I, I in no way, here, uh, here's how I'll say it. I in no way want to be esteemed as like, oh, I've got Joey's just got this, all this stuff on his shoulders and man, he's got such an admirable job. But I also, and I, I, I know you're kidding a lot of times. It's also, I, I certainly wouldn't say, oh yeah, easy job playing, you know, playing is just fine. You know, just another day. But yeah, the last thing I ever want is people to like see Joey as, oh man, poor Joey. He just well, takes on so much. I hate that. Well, no, your, really you, like no, your job is tough. Like you barely that. have enough, you, Joey. Your life is tough. You barely have time to. Uh, like enjoy the benefits and podcast all the time. Yeah, because your because your church job gets in the show. <laughs> no, but Joey, in all seriousness, what amount of pastors do you think, uh, you know, essentially, if they were being honest, see themselves simply as you know, would would in their heart of hearts feel like they are heroes? They're doing. Something. I don't know about he- I don't know about heroes as much as like uh, the cornerstone of. Like lots of people's well-being. Like if yeah. you remove me, then things. Like you, are gonna I, like you call like that you, hero. Do you, but yeah. do you feel that? Is that tempting to feel that way? That you are responsible for people's joy or peace? Like do you feel well-being? That way? Sure, it's tempting. Yeah, of they're well. Of course. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, what, tempting. Because what's but more that, important than somebody's spiritual well-being and their eventual destination, and if they go to heaven or hell, and if they walk with the Lord, what's more important? The answer would be nothing. And then, whose job is it? Yours, right? That's what. There right. you go. Yeah, and and I mean, I I do Golly. I hear I hear that stuff all the time, and it would be great just to run with it and be like, oh man, I really am this awesome person and, and all. But here, <laughs> here's here's what I am appreciative of, though, is at least at our church, the culture has changed to the point where I have forced myself not to be the go-to for everyone. Now, here, here's what's interesting. There is no way of getting that culture mentality out of like super older people. It's like, if they're in the hospital... The pastor visits, and honestly, yeah. there is too late in the game to teach them anything new. If I don't go visit, they're gonna feel like, "Wow, I guess he doesn't care." So, thank the Lord, we don't have a lot of old people at our church. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely go, you know, because they just can't see it any other way. Yeah, hopefully, but they'll we, all be gone you know, soon. That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to worry about that? <laughs> but, but I mean, that's isn't that a part of it? Like, what what do you say to people like that? Like when somebody says, "Hey, man," when somebody's hurting, Joey, you need to be there. What like what is your correct response now that you feel like you know you've been a little bit more aware that it can exhaust you or wear you out like what is the correct response now because like a lot there's a lot of people that says hey man why wouldn't you go visit somebody in the hospital right you know what i mean you know what i mean that that would just be a simple question yeah somebody not knowing totally so what what like what has changed what how do you keep yourself from that i mean getting for, exhausted for, or, or being everybody's hero well for me it's as simple as okay 
So, well, I'll, I'll give you a, a true story. Toby, you know, Liz, when she was my admin, she actually had someone that said, hey, I really want to meet Joey, meet with Joey and talk to him about some stuff. Wasn't important, wasn't an emergency, nothing urgent. She said, okay, well, uh, when's a good time for you? He said, well, Saturday for sure, because I'm not working. She's like, well, he typically doesn't meet with people on Saturdays unless it's an emergency or like a hospital visit. He's just like, well, he has to. He's a pastor. I mean, that's just his <laughs> job to meet with people. And so basically I thought to myself, so that person would prefer for me to meet with everybody that asked me to meet with them and right. my kids will start resenting me. My wife will threaten to leave me and my life is going to fall apart. But they're just like, well, at least we have a good pastor. So, I mean, I, I think I have said that before. I, I haven't been in, in like a super confrontational situation where someone's like, you should have visited me. But I have talked in generalities just like, yeah, okay. If you want my family life to be jacked up and my parent, my kids to resent the church, then okay, I'll go everywhere. And that's why it's so important uh, you know, we talk about pastor on, on, you know, I think most people know what pastor on call is. It's like an automated service where someone can cause, call an emergency line, yeah. and then uh, someone who is connected to that will, will get the call. I'm not the pastor on call all the time. So I there are times when I can say, you know what, I just can't go and do that. Somebody else is, is going to do it. Of course too. not, especially with that many numbers. But you know what is a hero situation like that is funny is uh, – so, for instance, uh, when we play our set and we play walls last, we'll play walls last, and then it's got a right. ton of screaming on it, and Josh Head will scream, and he'll go out there and do the Are You Listening part, then he'll do the end of the song, and he'll crowd walk, and he gives it all he's got. And then he'll spend the next 20 minutes, as soon as the set ends, laying on the ground and putting his hand on his head. It's just uh, it's just tempting to be it's just like he's the hero, you know. I think that's just it's just tempting. It's just I did it. I, I laid it all on the line. I did everything I could and that's right. it, you know. That's just the way people do. And I'm sure it's no it's <laughs> pastors are the same way. They just Well, feel it like, is it has to be tempting too yeah. because the people like I mean your word like just like for example, just you being there for somebody who lost their son just your presence means something. You know what I mean? Like, so how in the world can you not get a little bit caught up in it? I, I understand that. That's what's tough about it is uh, how, I, I don't know how pastors don't fall into that. Like, uh, you know, I talk a lot of shit about tons of pastors or whatever, but how when everybody thinks you're awesome and great and amazing and they tell you all the time, I mean, it's really hard not to buy into it. I mean, yeah. even, even on your level, Joey. Yeah. No. Even I agree. On your minuscule and, pastoral level. I, yeah, even, yeah, you're nothing. You're absolutely and you're not nothing even. In, in the kingdom. In the yeah. kingdom, you're nothing. I'm one of the most famous pastors in America, but okay. So moving on. No, what I would say. The, do you the, actually the, believe that? You might be. Do you, do you think about one of the most. Well, I just think, I think it's so. funny because it this the typical pastor that we see as like the big dogs, like Stephen Furtick, Perry Nobles, and those guys. I mean, I am a little peanut, but if you want to talk about exposure, we have one of the biggest Christian podcasts in the world, especially if you remove all of the sermon podcasts. So yeah, you would have to say that I'm one of the most popular pastors in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
we <laughs> think Shit. about And that's why we're going to start nothing. adding an extra episode that's just a sermon every week of yours. <laughs> and we'll just see how the, those numbers go. And then <laughs> That sucks. No, no, no. So, so Joey is one of the most famous pastors, maybe in, at least in America, if not the most world. Most listened to. And, like most heard, and, most hours spent. If I want to yeah. validate what you're saying, I know you were joking. But right. if you want to count the number of hours people listen to you as a pastor talk about issues related to Christianity, you've got a lot yeah. of listener hours, a lot more than, you know, it's yeah. definitely top 1%. Yeah. So what are we, you and I, though? We're just two dudes that talk shit about church all the time. No, we're just, yeah. We're, <laughs> Joey gets a pastor. Right. He gets to be the yeah. pastor. You and I are just dumb shit. That's right. That always complain. Yeah, we're just wingman. We're doing. just wingman to prop up the, the ultimate hero over here. That's our job. Oh, man. He just gives and gives and gives. <laughs> he's got, he, he already, I know any day now he's going to ask us for a sabbatical from the podcast. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, just think about it. When's the last time he I said He needs seven anything. weeks away from this podcast. <laughs> I know. All we yeah. do. It's just set him up. I mean, when's the last time you or I said anything edifying? Think about it. I know. You're right. <laughs> Never. Well, bless bless all of our listeners. We really do love you guys, and we definitely hope that grace abounds in your life. Uh, if you really want some grace to abound in your life, you need to laugh, and I think Toby has a way of doing it. Oh, oh, Joey, I do have a way of doing this, and I want to tell you guys, I do. I love laughter. If you haven't listened to my unbelievably successful award-winning podcast, Bad, <laughs> the Unstoppable Badass, I've won, I've won so many awards uh, <laughs> that I, you know that I love to laugh, and that's why I'm really happy that we get to work with CISO. I, I just think it's such not only a cool app, a cool idea, a cool business, but it's just, it's just awesome that people are getting great comedy out there and now and it's not just on nbc or one of the networks only or whatever you know what i mean like it's not just on your tv rather is what i should say now you can find it through CISO, and that's what i think is awesome everybody loves to laugh and that is where CISO comes in with CISO, you get unlimited access to all of their original series next day late night which is awesome um, so all the late, you know, you can watch the late night shows the next day. Um, hilarious stand-up specials, binge-worthy classics, including 42 seasons of Saturday Night Live. Let me say it again, 42 seasons. You can watch them all. The entire Monty Python catalog, which I love, the It Crowd, and more. Um, there's just so much uh, content on here. CISO is the new home for all your favorite comedy. Brit British sitcoms, uh, which they call Britcoms, I guess. Stand-up specials, bingeable classics, and more. And it's all on demand and ad-free. That is what I think is so cool about this. Access CISO content from anywhere at any time using iOS, Android, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Windows, or Xbox One. You just have so much. That, that's what I love. Like They have TV, original TV shows like uh, uh, My Brother, uh, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. show is so funny. Love it. So just go to CISO, that's S-E-E-S-O dot com right now and sign up for one month free. So try it for free for one month with the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. This is the best offer that CISO has going right now. One month free of laughing your ass off comedy at CISO just by using the promo code BADCHRISTIAN. You have nothing to lose. Try it for one month. I guarantee you, you will laugh your ass off. So that's CISO.com, S-E-E-S-O.com, promo code bad Christian. CISO.com, CISO.com, promo code bad Christian. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Hey, uh, I'm about to talk 
talk about Lyft real quick, but I just want to say to our listeners, you know, some of y'all, hey, we understand you can't give to the BC Club, for instance, and, you know, college students and stuff. Here's an opportunity. We're basically saying, hey, we, we actually want to give you a $30 value gift through partnering up with Lyft. And when you participate in these sorts of deals and trial runs and stuff, it really is super helpful to us. So it's a, it really is a way of supporting our podcast by trying out these products. So if you haven't heard of Lyft, I don't know where you've been because this is a company that is growing like crazy. And uh, it really, I have to say, using the app is just so neat. There's so many different things that you can do that you couldn't do on this other company, such as tipping the driver. Um, I mean, I, I was even able to... Uh, uh, my van broke down. I had three of my kids with me and I could say, hey, hey I need uh, a vehicle with, you know, lots of seats and that sort of thing. So here you have, here, here's the deal. Let's say you're stranded. You don't even have the Lyft app on, on your phone. Well, you download the app. You can request a driver and they show up three and a half minutes on average, pick you up and take you where you need to go. That's really fast. So every Lyft driver, driver is fully vetted, 10 point safety standard including criminal and DMV background checks. So you know you're going to get around quickly, but safely also. Lyft drivers are rated after every ride, so you know what that does. That eliminates the the people that aren't doing the best job. It's kind of like natural selection, the best stick around. You don't have to worry about getting into a filthy car with a creepy dude. So with Lyft, you can tip in the app, like I said. Obviously, it leads to happier drivers. I mean, uh, it's just... Just a great, great innovation. So bigger isn't always better. Lyft isn't the biggest ride-sharing app, but it's the fastest-growing and the highest-rated one. I'll say that again. It's the highest-rated. I'm talking quality over quantity. So thanks to Lyft, you've got an easy way to avoid drunk driving. Man, go out and party on a Friday night. Never have to bum a ride. You never have to worry about parking. A lot of people are actually getting rid of their cars, especially in the big cities, and they rely on Lyft to get around. I don't blame them. So right now, Lyft is offering our listeners a special deal. It's really unbelievable. Get three free rides up to $10 each. That's $30 value when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. All one word. Uh, just download the free Lyft app today and enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN in the payment section. You'll start with three free rides up to $10 each. $30 value. You got to do it. It's really awesome. Yeah, it's kind of fun, too. All right. Well, I got to add too, and we do have John Mark McMillan coming on in just a few minutes, but we didn't get to a bunch of the other stuff we wanted to talk about today, and that is totally okay. That's the way this podcast goes. I, I get like just, it just feels so funny to me sometimes when I'm sitting on this call looking at you guys and thinking this is what we do mainly for a living now we were just out doing emory shows <laughs> and i realized when we were out there doing that they were trying to do different stuff out there and i'm thinking well i've got my two gigs i've got this emory thing and i've got this bad christian you know i've got the podcasting thing and it's like it's crazy when i think about how I really almost just feel like it's silly what we do sometimes. It almost feels like the goofiest, silliest thing in the world, but it it's, it's crazy because it's real. And I don't know. <laughs> it's just almost hard to reconcile, especially coming back because we've been on the road a couple of weeks there. But um, the uh, we did a crowdfunding campaign, and I wanted to make sure we mentioned that a little bit. I wanted to say – I just wanted to take the chance to say thank you to everybody for that. So Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a good time out on the road last week. We did a bunch of shows, and it's just uh, – 
I'm not trying to toot any horns or anything, but they were successful. We did some shows for $7, and we didn't have any uh, agents. We didn't use a promoter, nothing like that. We just booked these shows and did it, and they were huge. They were great, nice. and it's a good model. So I'm, I'm happy to announce two things. One, we hit our crowdfunding goal in just a, Hell yeah. a few hours. And two, this new model of doing shows is working really good. So we're in, we're going to book a whole bunch more shows. I want to say thank you to everybody about that. Toby, did you have a good time on the road? Oh, man. Honestly, yeah. The way we're playing the shows now and doing it, it, it is very fun. Like, I feel like a little invigorated. Like, it's back to the, uh, a little bit of the basics and how when we started and, and the fe- just feeding off of each other on stage. It's, yep. it's really awesome. And you know what's really cool? I got so much feedback from the crowd yep. and, like, people writing me saying that they loved it. Like, it's some of the best shows they've ever seen us play. So yep. we're doing something right. I so think it's the cool. best so we've is ever it, standing, is, it, but. is it your standard, like, heavy jumping around no. sort of show less of that yeah less of that. I, I, well it's not necessarily about it's not that we don't jump around or play heavy music it's more about uh really first of all we're playing songs that we've never played before haven't played in years or yeah. a decade and then uh also it's about really the music being performed really well yeah so m- more than just nice. jumping around because it's a breakdown you're going to hear the songs played and performed really well so that's right. what i think is really cool yeah, it was just cool. we, we got rid of the click tracks and samples and all that stuff and just play the the music for what it is. Way more dynamic. But I just enjoy being on the bus as much as anything doing that. Except for Matt McDonald talk about the Enneagram about seven hours a day. <laughs> oh God. He loves that Enneagram, doesn't he? My God. I'm just kidding. I he'll, think that's a funny yeah. thing that he does that. Cause he t- he's just constantly he'll look at you, he's quiet, he's thinking. And yep. you know what he's about to say. I think you are a seven, like with a nine wing and a counter type of a four eighty two. It's just what he's always on, but it's really fun. He did. He came out with us and tour managed, and Reva came and did merch and everything. And it was it was really it was a very very enjoyable tour. We did a lot, and I do think there's something about that self assessment thing that the Enneagram and all those people do. I think it's good because you're really paying attention and doing some self assessment. I do think I'm making fun of it, and it is very funny. It's not exactly like astrology or anything, but it it is good to be self-reflective like that. So I bet you a yeah. ton of our listeners are into the Enneagram and know what their number is and stuff like that. Do you all know what your numbers are? Well, Matt McDonald kept telling me I'm a six counter, uh, I don't know, <laughs> something. And he says, I just rush right into things or something, but I don't know if I totally believe it. I asked him if it was like astrology, and then he got, yeah. I don't know if he got mad at me or not, so I can't tell. <laughs> hey, one thing, you mi- one thing you're missing, though, I, w- I do want to say this. We, uh, our album, uh, we still got a month to go almost on this Indiegogo campaign for the Emory LP7, and it's emorylp7.com. You can go there right now. There's some killer packages with our Indiegogo. Uh, it's really exciting what's happening, and we're going to be able, be able to put out another record and fulfill all these packages, and all this. it's, it's going to be great. So make sure you go there, emorylp7, if you want to yeah, uh, support us yeah. and our new record. And for the record, uh, no pun intended, Mac McDonald's got me at a nine. He's got me an Enneagram nine. So y'all make try to make sense out of that. Joey, you probably don't know what your number are, do you? Uh, no. Okay. no, I don't. Y'all, y'all try to type Joey, but he's got me as a nine and Toby as a what? I'm a six. A six. Something negative counter-strike. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to try and ring up John Mark McMillan. But before I do that, I do want to tell you guys about – one of my favorite companies and products out there and it's movement watches i have a movement watch uh it's mine is black 
if you couldn't guess, that it's black and the face of it's black. I picked the flattest, blackest one I could. Because Is it I called don't, the abyss? I, I don't know what it's called, but That's I can't. I have. But uh, what I'm trying, you know, it looks sleek and fashionable, but it's not obnoxious. It looks great, and I love when I wear it. And I don't wear it every day. I do not. But I wear it when I want to look good. I wear it when I put a tie on. I wear it if I if I put on cologne. I'm probably going to go grab my watch and put it on. That's how I do it. I think it's a flair thing. I think it's a special thing. I think it's when you want to stand out thing. That'd be like say I take my wife out for ramen on a date. I'm going to put on my movement watch. I'm going to spray some cologne on. I might put on a tie. I might button up a shirt. I probably won't wear my hat backwards, but I may. But that's how I use my movement watch, and it. Makes me feel great. So the company was founded um, on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank, and the watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. With over a million watches sold to customers in 160-plus countries around the world, Movement Watches has solidified itself as the world's fastest-growing watch company. So... uh, you know, these things start at just $95. And if you go to a department store, I mean, these the caliber of the, what we're talking about here is like $400. So uh, Movement figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman, the retail markup, and provide the best possible price. I highly advise you guys to check it out. You may not have had a watch since the 80s when you had a Swatch watch or something like that. It's time to get a good watch. It's time to look good. It's time to feel good. Uh, It really does make a statement. They've had over a million sold. Uh, You can get 15% off today. And guess what else? Free shipping. And guess what else? Free return. So if you don't think it looks good, if it doesn't float your boat, send it back. No problem. All you got to do is go to movement.com watches movementwatches.com slash bc pod now movement is m v m t so it has a clean design seriously i get compliments every time i put it on so go to mvmtwatches.com slash bc pod and join the movement john thank you for joining the bad christian podcast again yep we've only got a small list of uh people that have been on the podcast more than once so it means you must have done a good job um, so the only people that come on twice are like a, a rappers that joey likes and then people right. that, and then people that are really that, that we have a good time with so thanks for coming back yeah man anytime where are you right now i'm at home you're off that would you have the winter jam tour is the thing you've been doing for a long time that seemed like it was a long deal uh, no i didn't do the winter jam Oh, you I did, did a I did a run with a guy named Josh Garrels. You heard oh, of Josh, Josh yeah. Garrels? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, yep. I, I heard. I got confused those two things. But you you were just out on a long tour doing that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, a few weeks. Yeah, not quite as long as the Winter Jam. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. Nice. Sorry about he's that. So, he he a pretty swell guy. Yeah, he's great, man. Now, if if he really was an asshole, would you have said it just now? Would you have been like, yeah, I really don't like that guy. I, I probably wouldn't have said it that way, but I wouldn't have been so enthusiastic. <laughs> but no, he is, he's a good dude. So we've been talking a bunch about just, uh, you know, like we, we spend all our time in this space of, you know, what some would say overanalyzing Christianity and stuff like that. And being in Emory and doing this for so long, uh, it's, I was thinking about this question before. I was wondering, and Toby can answer this, and you can answer this. If you could do your whole career, if you could have gone all the way back and do your entire career and have nothing to do with Christianity and have the same level of success, would you do that? 
I'll let Toby go first and, and let you think about it. A second. <laughs> well, hey, can, can you can you he clarify? Already did the lip smack. Okay, if he's ready to go, he's go ready for to it. Roll. I, I thought that was a good <laughs> question, but with Toby, if you want to answer well, clar- first, I'll give us a clarify something for me. I have a question. I'm thinking probably other people would too. When you say nothing to do with Christianity, you're talking about the Christian market, or are you right. talking about living right. out your faith? Oh right. no, no, of course yeah, not. I'm just saying as far no, as your because no. I want to talk about music and music careers. That's what I'm. That's okay. what I'm thinking about. Because gotcha. and, and I, if you just joined us, I was just talking about us and our last tour stuff right. like that. So. And I, I, I could answer the question, too. But I am curious. I don't know Toby's answer to that or yours. But if you could do our whole career again, Toby, and we'd not had any affiliation with Christianity, right. but are, we'd have sold the same amount, you'd made the same amount of money, whatever, which way would you take it? I, my initial reaction would be like, yeah, I would just go the opposite way. But I guess if I had to be honest, now that I've had a second to think about it, maybe not. I like being influential in the Christian world. Like, I, I do like that. I do like pushing those boundaries and making people think differently because I think uh, a lot of times the Christian world is somewhat uh, narrow-minded, mm-hmm. maybe. And so I think that us, like, I mean, you know me, Matt. There's been tons of times where I've gotten to arguments at Christian festivals with people just for for whatever reasons yep. or, you know, people who are saying, say Jesus or, or for a wrong thing. So I guess I would say the only only thing I wish I would have done differently is maybe push the boundaries even farther. Like I wish I would have stood up for more of cer- certain things and thought mm-hmm. about uh, pushing those boundaries farther and, and questioning people and calling them out on some stuff when I didn't. Like I, I might have been too much of a coward to push boundaries and, and, and do that. But anyway, I don't know. What, what do you think, Mark? John. John or John, John Mark. Mark or Mark. You can, or can we pick either Mark one? Or, like, whichever Mill. one just what do you, flows. What do you John think, Mike Millen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, can, you can call me either one. Um, <clears throat> sorry, man. I, the allergies are hitting me, so I'm going to have the very white voice tonight. But, That's a good uh, thing. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I really don't know. Because um, I, I think if I knew then what I know now, I, I would write a little bit different type of songs. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm a little more comfortable now, even with the Christian market than maybe I was. I mean, not not that I am excited about the Christian market in general, but I guess I used to have this sort of chip on my shoulder where I just wanted to not just be the worship guy. Right. You know, right. And I think I'm at the age now where I'm just really grateful I get to like make music, you know. So I think if anything, I, I would have maybe ignored the whole thing a little more so go give me a little more specific you said if i'd have known then what i know now what do you know now well i i think back then i when i first started so i i always felt like an artist i mean an artist and a worship leader can be the same thing i guess and i would you know and um that's what i've tried to be you know but when i first started i started you know playing church music i wasn't like a great live performer like we didn't know how to tour you know, I had a song blow up before I was probably uh, ready to do shows as as big as some of the early shows we did. And I, so I, I think early on, I felt like I couldn't make it outside of writing worship songs. And I think that um, uh, as much as I love worship songs, I think I could have I don't think I would have had to, to have depended on that. You know, I think I could have made it as an artist and chosen to do worship songs when I wanted to. So do you think it was like almost a crutch that like, I mean, whether it was or not, you can't really know because you can't go back and see sure. what would have happened the other way. But in your yeah. mind, did you feel like you were making decisions knowing what this market was that you were trying to play to? 
Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I, I think I, I wanted to think I was not affected by the market. And honestly, I didn't know much about CCM music when I started. Mm-hmm. And the more I learned, the more I got involved in CCM music, the less I liked it, to be honest. You know? And so I feel like early on, you know, like I, I was just writing songs at my church and I wasn't a great singer and people liked the songs. And so after a while, uh, I, I started recording the songs because people just kept bugging me for the songs, mm-hmm. you know. And so I almost kind of started a career by accident, you know. Yeah. So zero yeah. intention with my career early on. People won the songs, so I, I recorded them and I gave them the songs. And it was just sort of that kind of thing. And even like the the biggest songs I wrote were like the easiest songs. And so there's so, such little intention in the beginning. I put so much more intention into my music now. So if I had to go back, I think it would look totally different. I don't know. I've never really catered to the CCM market. I knew that people wanted to hear worship songs from me, but as far as the sound and as far as Christian radio, I never really catered to that, you know. But I think going back, I would have had more confidence as an artist. This is an old old man's conversation. If you could go back, I know, but that's where we're at. Well, it's interesting too that you say that because you said like before you even like you feel like you're a better musician now, better performer and all that stuff. But you had a huge a song blow up, right? So you had songs blow up, and then so so what was that like at that moment? Did you feel pressure to go that way? Like like for example, when bands write hits or do do that, they go, well, maybe I should try to write that song again or something like that, or, or that stay, stick with this genre or anything like that. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like you, did you feel some pressure to maybe not step out of that as earlier or, you know, and obviously there's probably maybe a little just being young and immature, not knowing, having confidence in yourself. Maybe did that kind of play into it? Yeah. Well, you know, so early on, like I, I enjoyed leading worship. Like I, I liked playing music and singing with people. Like I enjoyed, um, you know, the, with my church, it, I realized it was different outside of my church. Cause I knew the people at my church and I, the world was a lot different when I got outside of my community, you know, but, um, yeah. So the, the, how we love song, I wrote it three or four years before it blew up. And I was kind of, not that I don't appreciate the song, but I was kind of over the song by the time yeah. it really blew up, you know, in a sense. And I I can't knock it because that song has allowed me to do all the artistic stuff I've ever wanted to do. It's because that song, <laughs> awesome. you know, the publishing from that song, it's not like we could live off the publishing, but we like we're never in a bad spot as long as the publishing on that song is doing well. Wow. So it's all allowed me to take risks. So that's a little weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. that is the one song that's actually allowed me to be more creative, and so there had there has been pressure to write another song like that. Like when I signed my first publishing deal, I think they thought I was going to write more of those songs, and I showed up and I wasn't trying to write songs like that. So that right. that that brings something interesting to for me here. Like y- you said, that one song opened up the doors for you to just have complete freedom, don't you? It weirds me out a little bit when worship leaders, you know, and and guys that are maybe doing decent in the market position themselves in a way of just like, man, I wrote this song and it's just a complete love song to the Lord or just a sacrifice and an offering and basically just saying this came straight from the heart. And it seems like the complete picture is 
and I tweaked some things and I wrote some kick-ass lyrics because I know it's going to make a lot of money. And that's and th- there's nothing wrong with that. But why are why are guys in the market so apprehensive to talk about? Yeah, I'm trying to make money too. Yeah, you know I don't know, and I think that's what's funny is that. I'm with you. I don't mind people wanting to make money, but I just wish it was a little more obvious. Yeah. So, what? Where are you with money? I mean, how do you think about money? Like, is I I mean, the. Yeah, totally. I I like money. Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, this is your career. Yeah. I mean, you you had to, or else you need to go do a different job. Yeah. So for me, like it's it's always been a little weird for me in the sense that. Anything I've ever made any real money off of has almost been like an accident, you know. So I work really hard, and we play shows, and people come out to shows. We make, we do make money on the shows, and that's great uh, because I love doing the show. So it's awesome to make money and do what you love. But like the Howie Love song, for instance, or the song my wife and I wrote together, like I never had any idea that those songs were going to be were going to do anything for me. Then some of my favorite songs, the songs you work the hardest on don't make a whole lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So like for me, it's almost like anytime I've ever tried any, anytime I've ever done anything where money and I have, okay. So I'm just being honest. Anytime I've ever done anything where money was the sole motive, like it's almost always not worked out very well Mm -hmm. and almost never made me any money. Yeah. Um, So uh, maybe that's been a gift. Yeah. You know, so I, I think because of it, I've just always pursued what I felt like I wanted to do. Um, I mean, everything's a mixed bag, too. You're writing a record and you make, you know, a record means making like a million tiny little decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard not to have that in the back of your mind. Like, well, if I do this, maybe right. more people will like it. And <laughs> you try really hard not to think that. Yeah. You know, and I think I, I do don't... a good job of tuning that out, but yeah. it's there sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with it, and I agree. It's almost impossible. Like, if you know you're making money off of worship songs, it's impossible for that not to come into play when you're writing a song. I mean, I oh, mean, because yeah. you see the other songs that are doing really well, and you're like, well, lyrically, this stuff is working. But I do think, and I'm not really huge into the Christian music scene, as I know you aren't either, it does seem like, do people kind of see you as an outlier? Like, do people... Do people acknowledge that John Mark McMillan kind of does his own thing? Do you think people think that about you or or what? I I mean, I hope they do. It's a little hard to get out of your skin and know. Right. But I do know that like my last several records have not had like a massive worship hit. Like yeah. and I haven't tried really hard. I do I hope they're, you know, I think of what are called like I mean, you guys, I don't know if you think about like anchor songs when you're making a record. You're like, we have this record, I love all these songs, but I want three songs that I know other people are gonna love too. Yeah. You know? So I I do think about like um I wanna have some sort of song that speaks to the space. Like but I'm cool if it's not the type of song churches sing all the time, as long as it's the type of song where people hear it and feel, you know, that kind of worshipful thing. Yeah. So you what know? you do is a good bit different than we do. I don't I I've never heard the term or thought of it in the term of anchor songs like that. But yeah. for sure you're right. And when you said that, it resonated with me. That the when I've tried to or thought this will be better commercially, or I think this is what our fans want, or I think this might make more money, that not even in music, just in business or anything, when you make something that seems calculated money first, I, my experience is it doesn't work either. And so yeah. I, I think that is true 
that is the best case scenario. And of course, it's possible to calculate how to make money and figure it out, I suppose. But I've not had much success with it. But when Well, the other thing about that, though, that's frustrating is the stuff that you're passionate about and you love and it's the favorite song you've ever written still does shitty it doesn't do good either like, you know yeah. what i mean like you, oh that's true you still too. Don't, yeah. you, that's you know true what i mean too. if you're if you're the most honorable and wrote the song just purely artistically and everything you still don't know like that's what's frustrating like yeah it really is a, a weird line that you walk when you when you're creating music or creating art that you don't know what you're trying to do so uh, in essence what you guys are saying i, I think is you might as well just do what you love and that then hopefully it works out. That seems to be right? the case. That seems to be the case. But it's weird because you just start down a path like, you know, how t- how tangled up is Emory and Christianity? If I could do that over, would I do it different? How would it have turned out different? Could we? I don't, I, I really don't know the answers to that stuff. But I know at this point that there's no point in me trying to build something that's not what I want to do. Right. You know, like we just re- changed our set entirely. And if it doesn't work, okay if nobody wants to come to our shows anymore I, i'll just have to move on but i cannot do what i don't want to do i can't i'm just not going to and my experience has been when i get super focused on something and i enjoy it event I, I have to ignore money at some point and like take risk and just do it eventually it seems like the money w- gets worked out but it's it's always been a struggle for me so i thought it'd be interesting to talk to you about that because there's a bunch i mean people talk a lot of shit about the christian music industry and when i say people i mean you know me and toby and joey but other people do too right. <laughs> other people do too i mean it comes under a lot of scrutiny so i'm just curious what well, your well, that's position what, yeah. is on. and that's what i was going to ask you too next uh is that do, what do you, when you talk about like CCM never really liking it or anything like what is is there is there stuff about the Christian music business because there is a business there there people are trying to make money earn livings and like like we said we're not like critiquing that like I, I believe people should earn a wage I think you know pastors should earn a wage I think musicians artists they should earn a wage because they're spending so much of their time brain power and all that stuff on that but are there things about the business that has like maybe stole your joy a little bit or like like what 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 makes you be a little bit anxious or 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 off put by like something like ccm or anything like that well i think and this is you know music is so subjective so two people can hear something and get something different out of it but so i I feel like with ccm music to me it's about it's about the sound it's about the way that if you want to be on christian radio you kind of gotta you kind of got to sound a certain way you know and for me it just would sound disingenuous if i heard my voice in that context you know so uh, i don't know it's just it's not that i hate christian music i just don't hear myself in it you know yeah so i think i begin to resent it more when people say you know i had at one point i had a friend who um a friend he's a business guy one of the labels, and he's a good dude, but he said, you know, if you made your music sound just a little more CCM. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Uh, yeah, but if I was a little more dishonest. Right, right exactly. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, like, for me, it's like this is not an honest sound. This doesn't feel or sound like me. And so it's really hard to uh, yeah. to even be a little bit. Yeah, and, know, and that and, doesn't make you a hero for being honest either. You know, it's like... It's just, it would be, like, it's it's almost hard to do that. Like, as soon as you leave, like, you just don't know how to do it. it, it like, if there was a formula of how you do it, then other people would do it anyway, or a computer would yeah. tell you how to do it. So there's really not a way to be 
I think it's a myth, and I hear it all the time from less successful people. Not not less than me, but l- less than successful people will often say, if I wanted to do this, I would just do this, and then I'd be wildly totally. successful. I, I do not buy that for one second. I, it's not my experience, and I, I just don't think it's true. I don't think you can say, if I wanted to write ultra-cheesy CCM pop, I would be famous and rich at it. I don't <laughs> think you can do it if you wanted to. Toby and said so, that a long time ago. Well, I don't buy I believe, it. I fully believe I could do it right now. I guarantee you. You get me in the room with like some Australian, and we'll write a hit Christian song by tomorrow. <laughs> no, I don't, I, don't, I don't buy it for a second because I, I just think you get like, uh, I think that's the whole thing about, about, I don't know, it just it doesn't seem to work. My experience is I hear people say that and I think those are often, not, not in Toby's case, but insecure people largely. Right. <laughs> well, well, even if so, I, I, I do believe there is, there is some formula that you could write. Like, like, for example, I mean, like John, you know, you know what kind of works. You, you at least have 40% of, yep, if you were going to sit down to write a song, you know at least 40% of what would work. And then, but what I think holds you back is, is the right thing and the truth. Like we were told when, when we, we were doing a Matt and Toby album and we had a lady uh, tell us, she was like, hey, listen, the audience is what, like a, a 20, uh, 20 something to late 30s soccer moms. Who don't even really like music? <laughs> that's really disturbing. But, but they like no, it on. Pause they, they there like, for they a like, second, the, because the, that's and they, and they want it on in the background because it feels good. But how disturbing <laughs> is that? That if the CCM market, if that's true, which it is, the the main market are people that are not into music, but everybody right. is a music consumer, and that's something I've said a million it, times. Yeah. And Every so it, it's completely not about music. the art. Yeah. It, it's zero about the art of it. It, it, at all there's no yeah. like uh, oh man wow this you know like the church used to be known for art and and paintings and creating music all, all this stuff and now like it really isn't it really has become such a business to where hey we know this will kind of work so if we fi- I, I do agree with you in a sense matt that if you find the right person plug them in and they will make that those you songs have to find the person hit. that's into right. that level of cheesiness organically yeah. is what i'm saying that's the best part you right. want somebody that's like blissfully ignorant and loves the thing right. that the people that don't even care about music want to consume which, which that's, might, that's what you even, want yeah and it, that's even okay for them yeah. but i think going back to to, to you john I, I i like still like when, when you're talking about that like even your experience so far like having a song blow up in, in the ccm world or whatever like does that has that People's reaction to it has that put you? Uh, has that been off-putting at all, or is like all, all been good? Like I know you, like like you were saying, it's good financially. That's been helpful a lot. But was there anything there that felt like icky about it? Well, yeah, I think um, I, for me, it's, it's when I would go do like uh, big youth conferences or um, big church events. Like I, I like playing at my church. I like playing at my friends' churches. Like I like the relationship you know so i don't have a problem with playing at church specifically but when i'm playing places that don't know people and i'll i'll do the song and there'll be these kids really connected to the song and then someone will walk out during my song and start railing them over like sin issues you know like you feel like manipulated yeah you know like like i i don't want you know (laughs) i don't want someone using my emotional thing to you know put the kung fu on some kid, you know, like, right. That's like crazy. I want them to have their own experience, like whatever they're feeling with the Lord, let them have that yeah. and not come up and try and steer it or try and sell something, you know? So I think that, 
And then, and too, when the other part is when you're doing worship music, a lot of times churches want to tell you what to play, when to play, and how to play it. Yep. Yeah. You know? And so that was another off-putting thing. I turned around a lot of churches uh, during that time when that song was mega huge. Um, offered me good money, but they're like, yeah, we want you to come, we want you to play this song, this song, this song, we want you to do it like this. And I, I would always tell, you know, I just tell them no. Let's tell the booking agent. <laughs> like, that's a good. Time. That's a good topic. I was. That would be a great question to ask. What is something that you would or have turned down? And then the, the next way to amplify that is, how much more money would you have done it for? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. There, there always is a number. Well, right? what, but what is the thing that they ask you to do that you're uncomfortable with specifically? If you don't mind, like play well, it with uh, what? Well, I didn't like that they were they would tell me what songs to play. They're like, uh-huh. we want you to play oh. this song, this song. We don't want you to play your other songs. Or in church, especially, they want you to do cover songs. And I didn't grow up playing worship cover songs, like so I don't know any of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're like, come and lead worship and play us, you know, a couple of your tunes and then a couple of Chris Tomlin tunes. I'm like, I just I don't know any Chris Tomlin songs. So, <laughs> but I I'm also. I, I hate I hate when people tell me what to do at the same time. And probably when I was younger, I was a little more of a jerk. Um, and so if they told me, I remember turning things down just because they were going to tell me what to do. It's yeah. probably stupid, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> what about what about you as a, a as a person, like someone that has to rely for your income on the Christian music scene or, or, or Christian consumers. Let's, let's put it that way. Do you, we all saw what happened to Michael and Lisa Gunger when they simply express some unorthodox views on how Genesis is translated. Do you feel right. yeah. like you are limited with your ability to be open because it would really hurt you financially? Well, I think, so I have a couple of thoughts. One is like, I feel like in Mike and Lisa's case, it was like, it was like he said the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person. Cause it yeah. just didn't seem like what he said was that big of a deal. You know, yeah. like I know people in the Christian industry who are bigger than Mike and Lisa were at that time who have done way worse things and, and, and felt no repercussions, you know, right. Um, you know, and so it's like it's it's just really unfortunate the way that whole thing sort of played out with him. You yeah. know, but I I do feel like sometimes, you know, like I got I want to put my best foot forward. Like I don't want to do things that are going to like jeopardize really big opportunities. Like, um, for instance, like we we tour South America, you know, a couple times a year. Yeah. And like alcohol is a big deal, you know to our fans right. in South America. Like it's a really big deal. Like, so like, don't, don't have it or we want a lot of it. But. Yeah. Like don't have it. Like for yeah, instance, gotcha. so like for a while, my band guys were Instagramming, you know, and every Instagram would just be them just like partying. And, and I was like, guys, like, could you do me a favor? Like, could you, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I was like, can you like scale it back or maybe like go to a private account if you don't want the public to see what you're doing, you know? Right. So, and some of them were not cool with it. And I was like, well, let's talk about it. Cause like you guys like going to South America, like you like playing those shows and you like, um, you know, uh, you, you like those people and going on the beach and eating the good food and stuff. Like, you know, like <laughs> this one little thing could, you know, keep us from doing some really big things, you know? So, 
I don't know. That's the conversation I have with them. And, I, and I, I've had those thoughts before. Like, I want to be honest and open. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to do stupid little things that offend people. You know, if it's important, yeah. I want to stand up for it. I guess you want to choose what hill you want to die on. Yeah. You know, because right. I doubt that Mike would have wanted that to be the reason. Right, right. No, he people. I think he he has really legitimate things he would have been proud of to offend everybody with, you know. And it turned out that that was the one. So, like, I don't want to offend people for dumb reasons. If I'm going to offend people, I want it to be like because it's something I believe in. You know what I mean? Right. If I want to sacrifice, I don't want to sacrifice just because. I can I can see that. I mean, there's tons of like most jobs you don't get to drink on the job or around the job. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So so that's not that big of a deal. I I get that for too. <laughs> yeah 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 for sure. So so I get that. But I guess it was like you said, there was a little bit of a, a you know you know pushback on that or whatever. Is that because? Do artists like for like maybe this maybe we're we feel entitled? Do, do you ever do you think that like like we talk a lot of shit about the church? We talk a lot of shit about Christian music and all this stuff. Like, do you think there's ever a time where like it really is like like your music? Do you see it as it really is missional or helpful? Like or, or, like what you're doing as opposed to what Papa Roach is doing? Do you think it's different? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well. You know, I, I think when I was younger, I used to think that, like, the world needed to hear my music because people were going to die or something if they didn't hear my music, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now I feel like, now I don't I don't feel that way anymore. Like, I think that, um, I think God wants to bring joy to people and wants to reach people. And I think he will use my, my music because he likes me and he'll give me that, he'll give me that gift, you know what I mean? But he doesn't yeah. need me for anything, you know? So for me, it's not super missional. I think, I don't know. For me, it's more, I I think I want to connect with people. And I think I have some conversations I need to have with God yeah. and with myself. And I, I like sharing those conversations. I think that helps people. Has the music industry changed your view on God at all? Like, have you, like, being in the spotlight and uh, all of this, has that made you more pro God, less pro God. Like if you had any, you know, crises of faith or anything like that. Yeah, I've definitely had crisis of faith. Um, it's not really because of the music industry though. Um, I think it's more just like growing up, you know, yeah. like what, what's the crisis for faith for you though? Like, what do you mean? Like, what, like what, what could that, what's that like for you? Well, like when I was young, like I, uh, like, um, I had no doubt in my mind that God was real, you know, and that, um, I prayed and when I prayed, it's like weird things would happen when I prayed. And, yeah. uh, I just believed and I had no doubt, like none at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then a few years back, like I, um, I guess I, I went through this season where I realized I'd been a real asshole and, um, I started, uh, reevaluating who I was and everything I had done. And, um, you know, I, I I had a band full of guys who were my best friends, and we ended up parting ways. And um, was that because you were an asshole? <laughs> yeah, because I was an asshole. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, what? When you said that, what yeah. did you mean? Oh, that's that's interesting. What did well, you mean by you being I, an asshole? I was so driven with what I with with the music. So maybe in a way, the music industry did bring about a crisis of faith. But I was so driven. And I thought that they should be just as driven about my music as I was, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I thought yeah. like, 
I was I was laying down my life for my music, and I thought they should too. And like for instance, I was talking to my wife the other day. We we're talking about this house we live in now, and she was talking about moving in. And I was like, I was trying to remember moving in here, the story of moving in. And I was like, I can't remember. I was like, was life just that crazy? Like, what was going on? Or am I losing my mind? You know, because my kids are crazy and. You know, I, I can't think much anymore. Um, uh, and she's like, "No, you don't remember because you didn't do it. You didn't move us in." Oh no! <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like, you were on tour, and I was pregnant, and had a three-year-old, and I moved houses without oh, you. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I almost couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't no. believe. It. There's no way that's true. Toby, you've done that. No yeah, I've you've done, done that exact that. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> thing was, back then, I totally would have done it. You know, I did. Right. I did. Right, but now it's like if if one of my young buddies was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm on tour. My wife's gonna move." I'm like, "No, you're not. Like, you're gonna come home and you're gonna." <laughs> yeah. you're like, no way. I was like, I could not believe that was me. Like, that was actually, <laughs> that was actually me. Toby and I you were know? sleeping but, in the back of our van. Uh, about six days after his wedding, and he lost his wedding ring. Just me and him sleeping in the bottom bunk of a van in Idaho. So it's probably on, on par there. My, my wife had my, also my wife moved from our condo into our house that we bought without me because I was on a tour. Same thing with th- with three kids, three and we kids, and so. we forced our old drummer. Like I, I know it was coercive. Looking back on it, to come do a one gig with us between his wedding and his honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh true. Oh my gosh. That's true. John, John, tell <laughs> us. Go, go, no, no, let him go ahead. He's, he, oh, I wanted to hear a little bit more. Yeah. Keep going. No, what I was going to say is so I, I think that because I thought I was like, you know, God's gift to like, you know, mm-hmm. Christian people who listen to music and that I had this thing that was so important. Like when it, when it all sort of fell apart and, you know, I had to part ways with like my best friends in my band and then I had an album that flopped and bombed and I thought, well, I'm just totally done. So I thought, Lord, we're like, you called me to be this like great thing and then uh it's not working you know and so i had a couple of years yeah. dealing with that disappointment i was like well maybe i was wrong maybe i'm not you know god's gift to music you know and there's like well what else am i wrong about you know so yeah, yeah i definitely did I, I changed a lot i think i i know a whole lot less than i knew back then and i have a lot more you know grace and respect for people than i do than i did back then mm-hmm. you know is there any major, major faith changes, like certain things that you believe specifically super strongly about now you're Oh, just yeah, like, that's a good one. Dogma. Like, you know, what's a different p- yeah, position? Yeah, you know, you I, well, you know what's funny? Even back then, I had problems with hell. Like, I had real problems with it. Like, it didn't add up. I think I just ignored it. But I didn't like it when people did the altar call, and they're like, you're going to die and go to hell. Yeah. You're 15 years old, and... You know, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to die. And because you spent 15 years on earth, you're going to hell to be tortured for 15 billion, gazillion, trillion years. Right. <laughs> I just had a problem with it. And I'm not saying I don't believe in it now. Some days I do, and some days I don't. You know, but I don't believe that it is what I was taught that it was. Yeah. You know, I don't believe it's just a place where people are just tortured for the rest of eternity because they spent a few years being imperfect individuals. Yeah. I, can, I think, yeah. I'm also open to being wrong about that, you know, but yeah, so there's a lot of things I'm <laughs> that I'm unsure. 
You sure I, you want to put that out I, there, man? You're, next you're on the record here, I think. <laughs> you know what? But I, I'll say this, too. I, I, <laughs> he's back. He's back. I'll say the same thing. I don't know. Like, Joey is, is a pastor and is totally bought into annihilationism and that, like, you know, you die and you only burn for one second. I'm not even sure if I believe that anymore. But, but here's what I'll say. <laughs> here's the thing. Couldn't Christianity used, used hell as a tool of of coercion and conversion as opposed to properly explaining something. You know what I mean? That's what I really dislike. You're exactly right. Hey, if you don't come down right now, you're going to burn forever. You're going to like that is that is only a tool to try and scare somebody into, you know, scared straight. But if it's true, but, it's scary. No, no. No, it's no, scary. No, no, Joey, you if something if something if something is true, why why would you have to use it in the worst possible way going, hey, no matter what, if you don't believe right now, you're going to burn, 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 burn. As opposed to, no, as opposed to the way Jesus did it and, and talked about, he talked about Gehenna and all this stuff and said it in a way, obviously, do you think that Jesus, when he's hanging out with the prostitutes, like, hey, if you turn a trick tonight, you're burning for 15 <laughs> billion years. No, no yeah, that's right. he yeah, didn't right. do that. He did not do that. What he did was hang out. Be grace-filled. He like, talked a lot about like John saying, not in that way. Did he? Not in that did way. he? He did not. He did not talk like a guy <laughs> of, in South Carolina, <laughs> in Rock Hill, South Carolina, down the street at this small church with twenty people, saying, "If you don't believe right now, you're gonna burn forever." That's what my papa did. My grandfather did that. Yeah, my whole right. life, I I grew up for 15, 20 years, scared to death of God, scared to death, and and that's what that is. I mean, that's that's. A lot of what we're talking about is that fear of what if and, and yeah. you know, if, if people can't handle thinking about God. That That's what I hate about all yeah. of this. That's what I hate about music, John, is that the Christian music scene does not allow you to think about God. That's what I like about your music, actually, is it sounds like you're thinking about God. You're wrestling with God. You actually don't want to just put something out there for for commercial reasons but you want to think about it like when when you're writing your songs is is that kind of part of your deal at this point like like you've gotten older you've gotten wiser gotten dumber i feel the exact same way i'll be 41 tomorrow i feel the exact same way my kids are so exhausting that i don't even have hardly any brain left <laughs> but when you when you go, when you go to write a, a song these days do you think you're writing it to honor god is that the soul is that like the big time thing there well and take take toby's right, question god Take Toby's question and talk about Mercury and Lightning. Like, what what are people to expect yeah, with this yeah, new album good. coming up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, when I'm writing music, like in the beginning, for me, music was therapy. You know, this is how I kind of had a com- conversations with God. You know, it's through music. Um, and so, like, yeah, the Mercury and Lightning album is is the same kind of thing. So, it's not. I don't feel like I write music. I don't think to honor God, not that it dishonors God. For me, it's yeah. more just trying to be honest. I think honesty, being honest with God is probably the most honoring thing you can do, right? Well, because he's, he already knows what's going on anyway, right? So yeah. I, yeah. So for me, music is a little more like a meditation, I guess. You know, but the Mercury and Lightning record is me dealing with a lot of these issues. Like the whole idea is like, you know, Mercury is the god of speed and flash and money and deceit, you know, and he's the god you want to be like and want to be with, but you can never catch up to the the pagan god. He's the pagan god. Yeah, I got to clarify. It's not real. (laughs) He's not real. He's not. He's not. No, (laughs) he's not real. But I think um, 
a lot of the God I learned about growing up was a lot more like Mercury than like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he you can't quite please him. You can't quite catch him. You can't quite figure him out, you know. And so I sort of came to terms that I, my idea of God was pretty messed up, you know. Um, I started reading uh, Jesus. Like I during that time I told you about I when I was kind of losing my faith over my <laughs> it's more of a crisis of ego than a crisis of faith, but apparently my faith and ego are really closely attached. Um, Good observation and, there. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I started, re- I realized that I, I started reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7. A guy handed me a book called The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. It's one of my favorite books now, but the whole book's based around Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I realized studying, you know, that's the basis for Jesus teaching. It's like the, it's sort of his quintessential teaching. Um, and I realized like the God that I believed in, in a lot of ways was a lot different than the person who was teaching, you know, Matthew yeah. five, six and seven. I grew up, we grew up singing worship songs about how we're going to destroy our enemies, you know, <laughs> yeah. destroy, you know, the blood of our enemy, you know, like, right. <laughs> you know, and, um, uh, and then I was like, oh, wait, Jesus is teaching to love our enemies, you know? I was like, yeah. And so I, I realized that. So I've, I've kind of had to. Unless you're gay. Unless those are the enemies that we don't love. But go ahead. Right. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, so. Anyway, but so Mercury Enlightened is me sort of like searching for God again, like kind of trying to figure out who God is again. And so there are some songs that are kind of doubting a little bit but to be honest though i feel like i'm more of a christian than i've ever been um i'm more satisfied in my faith now than i've ever been in my life i think because now i realize like it's not really i don't think it's on me to believe in jesus i mean i I think i need to choose or at least say yes to it but i think it's it's not up to me to make god exist it's his job to exist and my god to trust right so i think there's so much I had so much angst, you know, um, when I was young that I wasn't willing to sit down and have that conversation with God and myself. That's gosh, that's so powerful. I mean, seriously, like though that sort of thinking, it's what's helped me so much because I've had a lot of crises of faith, especially coming from like such a fundamentalist background and just the thought of it's not my job to make myself believe. I mean, that's just, that's that's yeah that's important important stuff so, I mean, I, I, go ahead oh sorry no, no no go ahead i was well i i don't want to interrupt your thought i was going to kind of ask musically um what should people expect uh is it a lot like your last album or big musical departure i think it's a bit of a departure i'm yeah, working yeah. with a new team new producer we're recording most of the record in portland um and so it's it's a it's a good bit different sound. I think it's a more modern sound. It's a bit of a bigger sound, uh, and there's some kind of world instruments and Chinese instruments, and um, it's probably fewer acoustic instruments um, overall. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think it's I think it's different. You know? Yeah. Awesome. And so you can pre-order it now, and uh, and it's coming out when when's the release date? Tentatively August fourth. So nice. if we, cool. if we could get it wrapped up August fourth. Yeah. 
So basically, yeah, people can go to johnmarkmcmillan.com. And how, you, you music guys, you, you three music guys, how does pre-ordering help the artists? Like, what's the I'll tell you how. For the I'll artists? answer that one. I'll answer that one. Once the damn thing comes out, it's all Spotify. So the only time you can make yeah. any money is now. That's how. <laughs> and I'm not hey, knocking so you Spotify. Heard, you heard this so guy. If you want to support the artist and you want to support art, buy it early. Uh, yeah. The help. Yeah, For, yeah hey, there's this, no such thing. Once it's out, it's done. <laughs> Pretty yeah. That's all you got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, so so if you're listening to this, a, a lot of you are already John Mark McMillan fans. Seriously, take take what Matt just said to heart. If you really like this guy and his music has moved you in the past and you're looking forward to the album, just cough up some extra money. Don't wait till it's out and pre-order it. And if if you're not if you don't pay attention, if you're not super plugged in, but you go to church semi regularly, you're singing the songs anyway. You just don't know it. He got they're they're at your church. I mean, he's so he's an artist you like. You're singing his songs at church. You probably don't even know it. But check his stuff out. Go to johnmarkmcmillan.com. And, John, thank you for coming on the show today, for yeah, coming thanks, back man. on our show and yeah. do, doing a great job here. We, we appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you, guys, man. It's always fun. It was All fun, right. man. Thanks. Thanks, dude. All right. See you next time. Okie dokie. We did it, everybody. John Mark McMillan. I'm worried that people are going to think that I'm I'm still John Mark McMillan. Like, look at me. Well, you have a a beard, so thank you, John. <laughs> You're making Devin Shelton faces. <laughs> All of our listeners don't even know what I'm doing. Sorry. <laughs> All, the, the our viewers do, and our, our, yeah, viewers our viewers know, do. but our listeners don't know. All right. So before we get to the damn news, Toby, you're serious. Put Toby in a room. Well, hey, shit, I'll I'll give you three days. Give Toby three days, and you can come out with a one-hit wonder in the Christian music scene. Yes, I think so. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I think that if you – okay, here's what I would do. I'd spend uh, two days listening to every <laughs> uh, nonstop CCM Christian music – I listened to all the hits over the last, or you know, popular songs over the last five years because I have not listened to one. No, that's not true. I played them some of them at church, and then I would just uh, uh, form a song out of that. And I believe now here's the thing: I would need a machine to get it out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but even if you have I, the I song, try- it's not like it can. Like I mean, Yo, John Mark's how about written this? a couple, but so I mean, and, and, even the okay, people how about that have this? Had success don't continually have success though. How about this? Or y'all, I'll do an experiment this week. I'll write a Christian hit song this week, and I'll, <laughs> I'll it play it and perform it on let's, the next podcast. Let's do, it, do <laughs> it. Let's do it. And if it's terrible, people can say, "Oh, you're stupid. You're no good." But I'm yes, going to take. I love okay, it. all right. So I'm just going to awesome. take. I have. I, I got one week. I'm going to try and write a Christian hit song next. Not Tuesday. jokey. I, it's not going to be joking. So when I play it, I'll I'll set it up here and I'll play it for everybody. Uh, live, and, you know, and then, and then I'll let our you listeners out there. You tell me if it could be a hit or not, and if it's a hit, get it out there, push it, tell everybody how good it is, and let's see. I love let's it. see. A good we, idea. I, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's see if we can get a one of the dudes from Bad Christian to have a hit on CCM Hell Christian Music yeah. Radio. <laughs> Hey, if enough so, people push it and talk about it, it'll get there. So a week, a week from this good. release, next so Tuesday, next Wednesday. Yeah. Next Wednesday. Yeah, so here's the goal. The goal is to only write a hit and to make money, not for like to get anybody to love the Lord or to be a gospel. <laughs> but it's not a joke. I mean, you're going to try No, it's not and, a yeah, joke. Right. I'm going to write a song about with, with you know, 
Christian lyrics, Christian yeah. Christ-centered lyrics, and, yeah. but I am not writing it to honor God. I'm writing it to see if I can do it and make it popular <laughs> and a hit. I'll do and, that and on we've the next episode. we've not discussed this before. You don't have one in the can, so you've got seven days, no, which is more I, than I enough don't, time. I don't, yeah. In fact, I know for a fact you've never spent anywhere near seven days on a song. So That's it, probably it, true. Just, <laughs> you've never spent seven hours on a song. so it, Matt, it, don't give can... away all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. All right, let's get to the best part of it. I'm excited now. Now i got a challenge for the next podcast. All right. I like it, too. Woo! All right, let's get to the best part of the podcast. In a world where you do a podcast that just talks so much bad stuff about you know christian music and one of the hosts a pastor all he really wanted was john mark mcmillan's autograph <laughs> my name's <laughs> my name's toby morrell and it's the damn news so toby, when you really when those songs play at joey's church on a sunday he gets a, just like a now that he kind of knows oh, john God. he's been on stage with him in australia he's on a podcast two times and when they I, do one of his songs at church he sits quietly in the front row it's like Yep, I know he's my guy. No, he just loves it when I'm is all hell sitting there in the front there, row. There's there probably four or five times where we played How He Loves, and he would come up after for for the response time and just go, you know, name dropping. The guy that, the guy that wrote that song, John Mark Miller, he was on my podcast, and I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, the lyrics he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> we got time for one. Right. We got time for one, Toby. Damn it. All right. Uh, okay. Well, then I'm going to do this one. Uh, this comes from my good friends at Huffington Post. They uh, only promote the truth. You know that. But uh, this is Teen Admits He Jumped Into Crocodile-Infested River to Impress a Girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did he uh, survive? Because if not, lot, I'm screwed. He now. admitted it, so he must have survived. He must have survived. No, he was. Torn it wasn't to his last Joey. words he, he was, before the croc swallowed him up. Apparently, Joey. The, Joey. The end of the story is that he died and he wasn't a Christian. So he went to point zero zero one second hell. A lot of guys make bad choices to show off for girls, but those choices don't usually involve giant reptiles. Holy crap! I'm going for sure. Was all Australian backpacker. Lee DePau could think, he said, when he found himself wrestling with a crocodile after he jumped into a, rev a river to impress a woman. DePau described battling the beast during the early hours of Sunday morning. At that point, I punched it in the snout. The second hit, I got it straight in the eye, and then it let go. It all happened very fast. Oh Pretty gosh. much as soon as he jumped in, there was splashing and screaming. Sophie Patterson, who DePaul is dating, told Queensland Courier Mail newspaper, the teen escaped, but not without extensive, extensive injuries to his arm. Uh, you've seen Jaws, Patterson said, describing there was a lot of blood, a lot of bone, and it was pretty horrendous. So mm -hmm. here's what I want to ask you guys. Uh, first of all... It, I mean, More what's a guy supposed him. to do? What, what, no, what is, is a guy supposed to do? To do? Yeah. Uh, he's held back in every single way. Masculinity. Y'all know me. I'm doing a true man event in the Midwest in April. April 6th through the 9th in the Midwest. Indianapolis, Grand Rapids, Chicago, and St. Louis. TobyBadChristian <laughs> at gmail.com. TobyBadChristian at gmail.com. Hit me up if you want to come to the true man. But what is a guy supposed to do? Because he wants to impress a girl. How does he do it? How how have y'all ever tried to do anything unbelievable to impress a girl? Have y'all ever like dated a were dating was dating were dating a girl and did something unbelievable? I'm going to tell you my story while you're thinking about yours. Okay, 
So there was uh, a girl I kind of liked named Elizabeth back in the day. And so we went out to eat, and then it was me and Joel, our original bass player. And, or no, no, I'm sorry. Maybe it was Brandon. Brandon or Joel, maybe they were both there. And then this girl, Elizabeth. And so we went out to eat first, and I, I think we had something like Mexican or something. I had unbelievable gas. And I kept <laughs> holding it in and holding it in and holding it because I wanted to impress her and not fart in front of her. I was so, you know, I thought it would be the worst, most embarrassing thing in the world, right? And finally, my stomach was hurting so bad, I was like, we, we walked out uh, and sat on her dock by the lake, right? We, her house was backed up to a lake, and uh, we were sitting on her dock, and I was like, hey, uh, I was hurting so bad, and I didn't know what to do, and I was just holding it in, holding it in, holding it in for like literally like hours. Finally, I was like, I, can't, I had to have relief, and I was like, hey, can I, and Joel was there, and I think maybe Brandon was there, and her. And I said, hey, um, can I go use your restroom? She's like, yeah, sure, going in. And I'd held it so long that when I stood up, I farted unreal, <laughs> unreal loud. Unbel- I mean, like not like quiet or just a little. It was un- it was uncontrollable, and that was it. And then I had to walk, and as I walked, it still each step there was a fart, and so it was the most embarrassing moment of my life. I was trying to impress her by holding it in, and instead I made myself look like the worst person ever. Well, uh, I'm gonna give this guy a lot of story. credit personally. I'm not gonna call him an idiot. I'm gonna say what a brave guy. To be able to do it. I mean, how old was he? He's young, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's early 20s. Okay. So early 20s, and you hear this all the time now, and I suppose it's true, that the people in their early 20s, their brains aren't fully developed, and evolutionarily, their biggest thing they need to be doing is trying to procreate and this guy did something yep. brave and i hope he got laid unbelievable for what he did he he fought not okay so maybe it was stupid to jump if into he was a crocodile married pit. if maybe he was, married. It was stupid to jump into a crocodile pit i get that but even after he did the stupid thing he was able to fight and win with a crocodile no <laughs> so he he deser- he's got something coming to him in that's my true book. that's what i'm saying yeah i hope it, it worked out wait, for him it, all right, as long as he waits till marriage, man, right. that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, not if they're dating. I mean, <laughs> and you know what else? That would be. You know, I'll tell you what else. I'll take it biblical too. Oh you, hell yeah! Let's just think about this for a second. If now that's you're speaking true, my language for I mean, the first you know, time in this episode. <laughs> if you know that people like around 20 years old, if you even if you think back about you at that age, like where you were at and your judgment, it was very poor, right? Like yes. your judgment Gosh, was yes. exceedingly poor from age Mine eighteen to twenty five. Yes. Like testosterone driven, jealousy, and pre- like you were not making good decisions. That is the right. age of every disciple. Right. You know, that's I, that. That's what. That's the disciples. They 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 they're goofballs. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, you just like I look back out now. You're gonna be forty one tomorrow. You have right. to look at guys in the early twenties. I don't know if that's right or wrong. But they seem more and more like children the older you get. But if you even look back now, like you see athletes and you go, oh, my gosh, those are just children. The disciples yep. were children. Unformed, right. goofy, guys like this, that's the disciples. Well, no judgment I mean, whatsoever. But I hope they got laid. Hey, I think, Matt, I think Matt and I listened to the same podcast episode today. <laughs> what was it? I, I probably the, got that from somewhere. What was it? The Peter Inns. Oh yeah, Bell. yeah, no, yeah. Probably, that's right. I'm sure that's where I got it. That's yes. They say that. Rob must Bell. Have, yes. Rob Bell yes. is. Rob just Bell said amazing. that today on Peter Inns' new podcast. That's where I got it. Wait, I, you said credit. Rob Bell's freaking amazing? Yes, he just is. I mean, he's just he's <laughs> just. 
You are done as a pastor. All, all you, I'm saying, you can't yeah, say that in the Christian out, world. Man. Listen, all I'm well, saying, you're, you're killing your career. I'm not even talking about his theology necessarily, although I do think he makes some awesome points. But just <laughs> he is just so great to listen to. I mean, he he he's maybe second to Jesus. I don't know. He's Good uh, Lord. <laughs> he's oh more than gosh. Paul, the Apostle Paul. <laughs> it's Jesus. Rob Bell and then the Apostle Paul? <laughs> I think it's Jesus. He's so cool. Rob Bell, Holy Spirit, then the... <laughs> Good Lord. You have changed. This annihilation thing oh, has no, just destroyed is. you. It's, you've annihilated your career, I your think life. maybe you, love you, wins. Yeah, you've okay? annihilated sure your own annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're terrible at being a Southern pastor. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Y'all got anything else y'all want to nope. say? See it's y'all the next damn time. news. That follow was the us. end of the damn news. Follow us on Twitter at X, Bad Christian X, and yep. thebcclub.com. Just go on there and check it out. Hey, by the way, on thebcclub.com, it's, it's got a bunch of pictures of a lot of the people that are involved in Bad Christian, a lot of people that volunteer their time. So go check that out. And you can always click on the link that says Amazon and do your Amazon shopping through us, and we get a little kickback. But we love you guys. We love uh, that you are tuned in and listening to our every word uh, for basically the destiny of your life. So thank you for giving us that place in your life. We are, we are honored and humbled. And Toby, yeah. do you have a closing? Maranatha. <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs>